From Creative Force, I'm Daniel Jester, and this is the e-commerce content creation podcast. Joining me for this episode of the show is Doug Wallstrom of Vera Bradley. Doug has been photography director at Vera Bradley since 2015 and has watched the team transition from exclusively product photography to working as an in-house editorial team to help advance the business creatively. One of the key benefits for his team is to help art directors' late-night ideas come to life. We want to have a graphic designer, an art director, creative director that had a dream, came in the next morning. First thing they do is run to the studio and say, I don't know if this is crazy or not, but what do you think? We hear from Doug about how COVID has redefined what it means to be in-house and a few anecdotes about leveraging the full-time editorial team to overcome obstacles that could have ended a production. I'm your host, Daniel Jester. Welcome to this episode of It Happened in the Equipment Room, the only true crime podcast focusing exclusively on photo studio crime. Today, we solve the mystery of who changed the Spotify playlist mid-production, and my guest is Doug Wallstrom of Vera Bradley. Doug, welcome to the show, and how do you respond to these allegations? It was me. I changed it. I had to put on some clash and uh, get going. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Now, this is just a regular e-com content creation podcast that you're used to. Nothing special, no true crime here. But I do have, I was not joking about having Doug Wallstrom from Vera Bradley on the show with me today. We're not going to talk about who changed the Spotify playlist, although eventually we're going to have to tackle the topic of music in the photo studio. None of us want to have that conversation, but it's the elephant in the room at this point. Now, today we're going to talk about ways to think about our in-house creative team and the potential for the outsized impact that they can have on the strategy for the business. We've been talking a lot about moving the production studio and the in-house team from being considered a cost center for the business to being something that's truly a strategic part. And there are some real benefits that your in-house creative team has to being able to contribute to that. And a lot of that is around their sort of inherent agility in the way that they operate. So Doug, I don't know. Where do you want to start on this conversation? We had a really interesting conversation about a week ago, I think, or so. Maybe it was earlier this week. Who can even remember? Because time doesn't matter. It doesn't (laughs) matter anymore. (laughs) But, you know, we had a really interesting conversation around sort of, we touched a little bit on the differences of working with your in-house team versus working with an agency. And, you know, there are pros and cons for both. But we do want to really kind of turn those pros on the in-house team into something that more resembles a strategy for our content. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great conversation we were having. When I came to Vera Bradley six years ago, it was strictly a PDP um, studio. That's all we did was the photography for the website. And then we slowly started getting more editorial jobs. And what I think we quickly learned is our ability to adjust quickly and to change and to test and get things across the executive team's table before we actually went into production was a huge, not only creative asset to be able to play around, but it was a big cost savings as well. There's very little reshooting at that point. And getting involved early enough into the conversation, we had the ability to test, we had the ability to run it on the site, do some A-B testing, see what's really working, and then implement. 
and it's really built into the day-to-day cost of running the studio. And it's something that we really enjoy doing. It's great for our photographers and our stylists to feel like they're a part of the actual creative process. Mm. and to be able to take things to unexpected place. You know, it's always the third alternative when you find the magic. Yeah, I definitely want to touch on the creative fulfillment of our crew and being part of that decision-making process, which is not really something that you get to see on the PDP side. And also the nature of the photo shoot where things happen, images occur that you weren't planning for and that end up being the cover for your catalog or, you know, on the homepage or in an email. But one thing that you touched on there that I think is really can't be overstated is being able to show something, to do those tests and to show something to the people who have control over the checkbook, because that's how you get sign off on stuff. It's very hard to take a concept to somebody who's maybe not very creative or has a hard time visualizing some things, especially if you want to go in a direction that isn't typical for your organization. We talked about this a little bit with Heather Johnson of Rent the Runway in a previous episode where she was able to, with her team in-house, test some creative changes because they had some time to do it and take those you know, with a pitch to say, if we change our creative, here's what it looks like. Here's the impact to our production and our teams. She was talking about product photography in that case, by the way, Mm -hmm. but she was able to take images, actual images that had run through the process with not only visuals to show the team, but also data around the impact that it has to their workflow. And that is, that is the key. Right. If you can show where you're going to get a cost savings on this and an added benefit of expanded creativity, everybody's going to jump on board. Uh, you know, it gets people excited. They want to participate. Our biggest hope out of everything, and we say it all the time, is we want to have a graphic designer, an art director, a creative director that had a dream, came in the next morning. First thing they do is run to the studio and say, I don't know if this is crazy or not. But what do you think? That to us is the ultimate joy of collaboration. Language is a really tricky thing. How many times have we all heard, well, we want it moody or we want it happy? You know, there's these (laughs) innocuous terms. And then somebody said they know exactly what that means, where somebody says moody to me, I'm thinking film noir. And they're thinking, no, really happy moody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm thinking film noir and they were thinking a slightly darker shade of taupe for the right. background. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And when you're on set, those are difficult conversations to have when you're going in the wrong direction. Everybody gets tense. The whole, you know, hope, I guess the whole goal of it is to reduce anxiety mm. to allow people to feel comfortable that we know where we're going. Now let's take it to another level. Can we tweak things here and there? We know our sandbox that we have to play in, which then allows us to be creative. You mentioned a lot in there about having like a designer come in and other members of the larger marketing team, which is, you know, again, in line with a lot of the things that we talked about on this show, where we need to stop thinking about the studio as a silo and being a part of the larger marketing team when it comes to like editorial content. The purpose of this conversation is not to validate in-house versus agency relationships. Agency relationships are important. They certainly have their place within an organization, big and small. Even teams that have in-house editorial creatives still will need those agency relationships from time to time. But 
One of the challenges with that is that that's point in time. You have to have a lot of decisions already made and you don't have this ability to test. And that's kind of what I think you're talking about is being able to build some synergies, build some lines of communication between designers, layout artists. I'm talking a lot about print catalogs. <laughs> like that's still super relevant. <laughs> I just finished one. I just finished one last week. I mean, you know, the print catalog, I shouldn't say that. The print catalog has its place. I find it delightful when I get my Patagonia catalog in the mail. Right. And I think one of the aspects of that too is you know, by no means am I saying that everything should be in-house. There's still a very strong need for outside influence. We still hire outside agencies to go do shoots for us, hire outside photographers, but we can help drive what that look is going to be before they go invest all that money. And it gives a sense of confidence to the in-house team and to the leadership that they you know, see a $250,000 budget going out the door, they would like to have a general idea of what they're going to get back. Right. Absolutely. So we're hybrid. We'll help anybody. And I think one of the things we talked about in our last conversation was, you know, what's the role of the photo studio and the company and the relationships outside of it? And one of my big things is I just want to be a facilitator. My job is to listen to what everybody's saying figure out a way to best represent that and to meet everybody's needs and then to do it in a cost-effective manner. But we've just started this next season. You know, all of our products designed here in-house. So mm. our prints, um, all of our bags, accessories. So when we do our PDP photography, even we're now setting up time with the actual designers of the product. Mm. They can come down, they can show us the product before the season starts. They can walk us through and say, this is where I really was paying attention. And this is what mm. I think is special. That's super important. That's a very important piece of information for your studio team to have. Because for one thing, at that moment that the designer is sharing that information with the studio team, the studio team is now getting excited because they're seeing the designer's thought process and they're feeling that energy. I love that you guys do that. Yeah. And it's fun. You know, again, that's what brings that spark of curiosity, you know, of it can get really boring on what we all do every day if you let it. But if you find curiosity and interest, there's all sorts of fun that you can have every single day. Absolutely. Yeah, we did that when I was with the commercial studio just before COVID. We said that a lot to our clients. We said, when you have a new collection and you do your big season presentation to your organization, we would love to get a copy of the slide deck or even be included in if it's a virtual meeting, because we want to be as excited about the new things in your collection as you guys are. And we want to feel that energy and bring that to the photography, even though we were shooting PDP, like we were right. shooting product, you know, very prescribed uh, product images of some jewelry over and over again. But we wanted to know like, Hey, this stone, this stone that we're using in this piece is very interesting and we think very beautiful because of these characteristics. And then yep. we can start to bring those out in the images. And you might spend an extra two minutes to make sure that it's, you know, all the facets are reflecting and refracting the light exactly the way you want because you have an investment in it. Exactly. Yeah. That emotional investment is hard to quantify, but also kind of hard to overstate, isn't it? Having that level of engagement with it. Yep. You know, in our conversation last week as well, you know, one of the things when I said, was it talking about what our studio is trying to achieve? By no means are we there. It's a work in progress. But 
you know, you made a comment that kind of caught me off guard and makes a lot of sense. You said, wow, you're asking a lot of the art directors because normally you do. You go hire a company that's going to shoot all your PDPs and they tell you what it's going to be and you get it back and they hire that person because of the look that they have and that's what they get. And that's probably been the hardest relationships to build. And it's taken a long time to build that confidence that, no, we're here to facilitate your ideas. We're not here to tell you what you should be doing. Mm. We're here to bring that vision to life and how can we assist you? And a little bit of information along the way is really going to allow our team to have that aha moment to go, okay, now I really see what the storyline here is and what the important aspect is that we're actually photographing. Right. It's been really fun. And I have to say in the last month, it's really turning a corner. People are getting really excited. We have had, you know, so far a few people that have come running down saying, hey, I got this great idea. I want to do an underwater, you know, shoot. Can we do Mm. that? <laughs> yeah, Doug has a pool. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I was I was actually looking at a uh, 150 gallon fish tanks yesterday. <laughs> yeah, very nice. <laughs> One of the things that's really special about what we do is the creative problem solving. And we've talked a lot on the podcast and you know, in my sort of day job at Creative Force, we talk a lot about the differences between like the e-com PDP images and how the nature of that and that that needs to be a sort of prescribed process because you're looking for consistency. Whereas editorial, you need to have so much flexibility to be able to truly take advantage of all of the things that can happen, all of the variables that you have no control over. That's one of the really special things about that experience is the really creative problem solving. And that's one of the really fun things that your crew gets to be involved in is like, we didn't think this was going to happen and now we have to figure it out and we pull it off and we have an image. And you shared with me a story when we met a while back that I would love to hear you tell it again here on the podcast about an unexpected rainstorm and how you were able to solve for that with your creative teams once you got everybody's heads together. Some of the fun parts for us, that is the fun. The actual photography aspect is 5-10% of the work. And the creative problem solving, and I love working in a budget. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It drives other people crazy, but I look at it as a challenge. And we were asked to go do a campaign out in the Great Lakes region at the Sand Dunes. And it rained. We got washed out. We ended up turning it into a studio shoot. We rebuilt Sand Dunes in the studio, got some grass from up in Michigan, and actually now know the guy in Michigan. If you ever need seagrass, <laughs> I know the seagrass guy. guy. <laughs> I got my seagrass guy. Really nice guy. Uh, <laughs> and we came back into the studio and shot it in the studio with a very natural looking light. And then went back, photographed uh, the surroundings where we really wanted it, merged them together and ended up saving, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in crew time, travel expense. And, you know, we're really trying to leverage how can we, and I think that is a lot of the post COVID Mm. to be honest in COVID you had to learn to be as clever as you possibly could with the dollars that you had and the amount of team that you have. And I don't, I look at it very similar to 2008. I think we've now come under a very large change philosophically in how we do things and Mm. the size teams that we need to do things Life of an image is so short now. 
and technologies there. So how can we use that as a challenge and a creative way to solve? And we ended up shooting everything, stripping the backgrounds in. Our chief creative officer came down and it took her about 10 minutes to know that's what we did. That's amazing. That's a great story. And you made the point there that I think is really, really important especially after this past week at the time that we're recording this, it's just a few days after this most recent Henry Stewart conference. And one of the things that I realized in sitting in and listening to some of the sessions on that conference is that I really hope that all of our creative teams are institutionalizing a lot of the learnings that we developed over COVID and maybe redefining the way that we think about our team and the way that we think about our supply chains. And when I say supply chain, I don't just mean physical product, but also digital supply chains as well. You know, because you're right. You're absolutely right. And I've said it on the podcast before. 2008 was a watershed moment for creative production and really was the birth of e-com creative production as we know it today. And this is going to be another one of those. We realized that we can have, if we're very clever and we use the technology available to us, we can have decentralized teams doing the work on some of these things. You could do your shoot in studio with a small team and contract a photographer to go to the location that you need and get the location stuff and send it to a retoucher who's halfway around the world and get it back by the time you wake up the next morning. And I love that. That just makes me smile thinking of that. It just seems fun. It's really interesting to think about. And again, I just really hope that we are institutionalizing some of these things and, you know, business disruptions are going to come up again. They may not be the pandemic scale that we saw recently, but certainly weather is going to become more and more of a problem uh, in various parts of the country. And that's going to impact either our teams directly or whether or not we're able to get samples in time. We all know the challenges around getting samples, period. Yeah. Uh, Let alone when Italy gets two feet of rain in a few hours or whatever crazy thing that just happened. And if you've got stuff coming from Italy, you can pretty much forget about it. Yeah, that's been a huge challenge for the last six months is the physical supply chain and the digital supply chain. If, hey, you get three quarters of your season of product in and you're waiting, hoping that the rest of it comes, at what point do you have to ignore your efficiencies and start shooting? I know that that's one of our big things I'm looking at the moment in PDP is you know, our cost per shot's going up because our efficiency is down. If we have 10 backpacks to shoot or 20 backpacks to shoot, it's great if we have them all. But now we have 12 today. We're going to get 14 in three weeks and Mm. it's just spread out. So the natural efficiencies are being eaten away. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity to go, okay, let's rethink how we're doing this. You know, one of the biggest opportunities we had during the initial pandemic was, it's, it's funny, actually, I was out in New York at a conference and i think most of you were there actually and it was just the week before everything was being shut down Hmm. and we were setting up to do our first launch for a collaboration with harry potter and we had you know built these beautiful sets had models flying in it was going to be a huge launch then everything shut down all of our sets everything were sitting in trucks in new york And the launch date was getting closer and closer. We kept waiting to see if we'd be able to go shoot on figure. And the big turning point was when they decided, no, let's just get everything in the trucks, ship it back to Fort Wayne. By the way, we're in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And they turned it into a still shoot. So the importance of still photography and product still photography 
went through the roof and mm. the company was fantastic at recognizing that we had an opportunity there. And in the end, it saved a lot of money because we have decided not everything has to be on figure. Right. You know, and we realized that no, probably about 80% of the images that are working for selling are still lives. And so it's really given a big boost and a lot of visibility to the team. And it's made them feel very appreciated and a part of the company as a whole. It was a great opportunity for the team. And it's really changed the way that they hold their heads up as they walk around the building. Totally. Yeah. As somebody who considers himself a still life guy, I certainly have shot on figure, but I was tabletop, you know, straight product for a long time and then have done some campaign still life shoots for some brands. And, you know, there's something that I really love about sitting with a product in my studio. Some A lot of times by myself, just kind yeah. of exploring an object. I love that there's still some relevance there for that and that we have that opportunity. You're, you're absolutely right. There is something when you have that really amazing still life image that there's it's engaging and there's not even a human person in it. That's something to be really proud of. Yeah, no, and we love it. We do on figure quite a bit, but our still life is definitely where where our sweet spot is. And then you can change the Spotify playlist to whatever you want. It doesn't Nobody's matter. in there. I'm like, you can just listen to true crime podcasts, exactly. studio crimes. <laughs> <laughs> As we approach closer and closer, hopefully to becoming a post pandemic society and industry, I feel like that does kind of mean that in-house is redefined a little bit to mean some different things. What's your opinion on that? I think so. I mean, I think that in-house has an opportunity, like we were saying earlier, you can get the bread and butter work done. You can do some nice high-level work. You don't have to do everything, but you really can be a part of the creative drive and look if you can be in-house and get ahead of the seasons, participate, build those relationships where people want to brainstorm back and forth. And post-pandemic, yeah, we'll go back to shooting on figure, hiring teams to go around and do that. But now we will also have a part in that and mm -hmm. we'll help drive it instead of like, you know, most teams out there, I'm sure it feels a little like Kinko sometimes. And mm -hmm. it's just much more of a service type of business. And I think now we're being viewed as an asset and we can bring something to the table and they've now realized it. Doug, that seems like a great final thought for this episode of the podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and call it there. We have absolved you of your studio crimes. You are free to go, sir. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us and indulging my very silly introduction. I appreciate your silly introduction. And I just want to give a shout out to my team. I couldn't do any of this without them. They are the ones that actually do all the work. And all of you listening out there, you know, support your teams, give them the support they need and help facilitate. That's it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you'll not only come back next week for the next episode, but tell a friend about us. Many thanks to our guest, Doug Wallstrom, and thanks to you for listening. The show is produced by Creative Force, edited by Calvin Lands. Special thanks to Sean O'Meara. I'm your host, Daniel Jester. Until next time, my friends. Mm -hmm.